Support for this episode comes from Viator. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why Viator has over 300,000 bookable experiences, so there's always something for everyone. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Want to get a little more from every sip? Smartwater Alkaline doesn't just taste crisp and pure. It's loaded with everything you need to perform at your best, whether you're running marathons or boardroom meetings. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. everybody it is episode three of eurobash the second last episode of eurobash on mmafighting.com um, as we revealed today uh, earlier on monday and um, our, our contracts come to an end with mma fighting at the end of may and uh yes we are looking forward to what's going to happen next with this wonderful platform and um, we we found out earlier this month it's been a bit of a rigmarole getting the episodes done throughout may but uh, i'm glad that we could still deliver every tuesday as usual um but uh yeah well we maybe we'll talk about that a bit towards the end of the show because as you know mma is back there has been plenty of fight cards we had a midweek card on wednesday we also had a saturday card both from jacksonville um, so a lot to unpack from those situations. Uh, we're still kind of getting over the aftershock of UFC 249's title shot as well. Um, but before all that, let's welcome in the beautiful prince of Eurobash, the Southside Serenader, Noel McGrath. How are you, sir? What's up, man? Yeah, I'm good. I'm not too bad. I'm uh, a little bit, I'm not going to lie to you. I was just sort of getting back into the sleeping patterns uh, of the last <laughs> 10 years. Um <laughs> Going to bed at normal times, eleven o'clock, and then this week is just fucking kicked that right out of the water. Oh, out, I'm yeah. just knackered, man. I'm 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 really tired. I I've just had a, my second cup of coffee in a row there, and I have another one here. So, um, we might have a little bit of a a Manchester esque incident from the Bisping Henderson fight card when I overdosed on a uh, on caffeine. But yeah, man, it's oh just, my god, <laughs> do you remember that one? Christ, memories. Oh, I, I actually thought you were gonna die that day. I can remember the guy saying, "Oh man," I was saying to Sean Betts and Steve. I thought it was California, well. Steve. I was like, man, Niles is over there shaking. Like, remember, we, we wasn't working with MMA fighting at the time then, but Casey and Esther were in that, that event. They were like, hey, is Nile okay? <laughs> like, vibrating in the corner <laughs> with 10 empty cups of coffee around. Just, Run, like, running oh, around, <laughs> shooting, yeah, doing video, editing. It was obviously a late kickoff uh, to suit US time for pay-per-view, so it was a tough one. But I'm struggling this week, man. It's just, you know, I've watched every uh, card live I thought there on Saturday I wasn't going to make it, but I did in the end. And uh, yeah, it's just, it's just sort of tough after a few months of no, uh, no real late nights watching MMA. But listen, I'll survive. Well used to it. Well used you to look it. so healthy. I'm looking at this fucker now on this. I'm out there putting on about <laughs> two stone from trying to eat myself awake. And this lad looks like a French poet. A little scarf on him and everything, for fuck's sake. Yeah, it's my new... It's What's my the new, story there? It, no? Why are you getting so sexy? You know, 
People need visuals, man. <laughs> <laughs> we got we gotta start we gotta start sprucing it up, eh? <laughs> All right. Are you, getting, are you getting ready to launch our OnlyFans site as soon as this well, contract well, up? Is well, that what's well, going well, on? Well, who knows? Who knows? All will be revealed, I'm sure. But uh yeah, sure. Maybe maybe you might go down OnlyFans. Only way you make a few quid these days with the sounds of it, so fuck it, why not? Get your banger out for a five or a pop, I'll, we'll, we'll, I'll, I'll pay happily. <laughs> <laughs> Oh Christ! Oh Christ! In the bike, yeah. Listen, sure, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. Only fans, hit me up if you want it, guys. <laughs> right, let's do the the brief headlines. Habib Nurmagomedov is ready to fight in September. Um, Conor McGregor, after launching a, t- a Twitter tirade on UFC lightweights last week, claims he's excited for a lightweight title fight in July, and also revealed over the week. George St. Pierre and Kevin Randleman will be inducted into the Hall of Fame. They are the class of 2020. That's pretty much all we have. <laughs> One of those Three weeks. things I wrote down this week. <laughs> Three things that I'll do. But man, listen, um, there, there hasn't been much outside that in fairness. And, uh, you know, it's, it's been a busy week, I think, really, with, with all the fights on and a couple other bits around that we're going to cover today. But... Not an awful lot. Obviously, great to have GSP inducted into the Hall of Fame. No-brainer. And um, obviously, the late Kevin Randleman. So, yeah, that that is pretty much it. And Habib, obviously, that that talk as well. So, that's that's interesting. And uh, Henry's back as well, by the looks of it, according to Ali Abdelaziz, um, in mid-July. So, that's going to be interesting. And um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure what else we're, uh, we're going to see. Um, no, I think the most... Uh important well the most the biggest news that came out of this week or the the biggest talking point i guess was wednesday night's main event um anthony smith v glover to share um i thought it was um i thought it was it was definitely one of one of the harder fights i've had to watch in a long long time oh, man, yeah um i don't think i don't think um anyone was comfortable especially in the last round of that fight uh basically um glover to share um you know, basically apologizing to Anthony Smith as he beats him on the ground. Um, you know, Anthony Smith, uh, Anthony Smith handing Jason Herzog his teeth at one point during the fight. Um, the fight was eventually stopped, but I mean, I guess a lot of people are wondering why it wasn't stopped earlier, why Smith's corner didn't get involved. Um, look, I, I think I, I think I should say Herzog. I, I believe he's a great a great referee. We always very complimentary on this show. Yeah. Um, and and look, I think he, it, it's a big testament to the guy he is, the fact that he's come out and he said, "Blame me if you're looking for someone to blame. Don't blame Anthony's corner. Um, I should have stopped the fight." But it was it's pretty shocking stuff, wasn't it? No, like my yeah. dad was even, you know, he's watching. He was like, "That's one of the worst things I've ever seen." You know that that was that was terrible. That looks awful. And I and I gotta I gotta agree with him. I have to say. Yeah, I do agree. And you know, I was watching the fight, and obviously the odd tweet here and there, um, on my feed and. You know, I felt watching the fight after the third round, Anthony Smith was done, and I think when he's saying to his corner, um, you know, my basically he's making an admission in so many words. A fighter's never going to tell you they're done, they're quit. We we rarely see that happen, and there's no shame in that anyway, you know. But I think when he said my teeth are falling out, that's an indication to the corner to, lads, come on, just just stop the fight now here. Um, And yes, fair play to Jason Herzog. He's come out and said, you know, he should have stopped the fight, and he should have. He should have been stopped between rounds there. 
Um, very uncomfortable stuff to watch. Went into the f- you know, fourth round, the fifth round. I was going, "Holy shit, lads! Come on, what are what are we what are we doing here?" To this guy, you know, his career could never be the same after this. We, we don't know. Well, that's obviously a waiting game. But um, Herzog obviously came out and said, "The sport of MMA is beautiful." I'm reading his tweet here. It's pure and an incredible teacher. Some lessons and more harsh than others. I've seen a lot of opinions about what should happen, who was at fault. But let me clear: there's only one person to blame. Me. You know that is. Fair play, he's taken um, responsibility there. But I listen, um, James Krause in the corner. Um, you know, I think they could have done a little bit better for their fighter in, in those circumstances. And um, such a great corner, usually, right? Yeah, it like, is. I mean, they, they are usually top, like top professionals. Um, you know, I I was just very uncomfortable watching. It. And what I took from it really when I was looking at it, Noel, was it's very rare that I'm ever watching a fight. And I know both the fighters know that this fight is over. Yeah. Like, I'm watching two guys there, and they're basically playing it out now. Like, Glover knows he's won this fight. Anthony Smith knows he's lost this fight. And the people who are responsible for stopping the fight don't seem to have a notion of that at all. Like, it, that's yeah. a very uncomfortable situation, isn't it? As a viewer, like, when you're like, this, well, yeah. this, this is this is all but done. Like, well, why are we continuing to watch this? <sighs> Listen, and I guess this is it has a knock-on effect from the Ferguson fight as well, because I've heard a lot of people saying, like, Ferguson's clearly out. Yeah. Like out of this fight in the fifth round, like why why are we continuing to do this? I mean, do is the honor code of MMA stopping people from doing this? Like, I mean, is there? I don't know what it is because you see it in boxing a lot of the times where where the referee will step in and stop the action when the two guys are still standing, and mm. um, you know, you know, live to fight another day mentality. I just don't. I, I think the fighters need to be saved from themselves a lot more than they are, and I understand. Yeah. I get. I bet you Tony Ferguson would have been infuriated if one of his corner men. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, through the towel in, but this is just this is getting a bit crazy. And, yeah, like and that- when, when, when the spotlight of of the world is on MMA at the moment, like it is for the UFC, it's not good. Uh, being the first sport back, that's a terrible look for me. Yeah, it's not good. And you know, the, the only one thing I will to sort of get a comparison from the, the corner side of things are. I remember we spoke to Mark Henry. I believe it was in Eurobash, and, and we brought up the incident um, in relation to Edson Barbosa um, and Tony Ferguson that fight. And Mark Henry went back to the fight of Frankie Edgar and Gray Maynard when he literally had the tail taken from his hands by Ricardo Almeida um, as Frankie was getting his head poked off. And Frankie did somehow manage, and you know, I'll never forget that fight, to come back and win the fight and finish Gray Maynard. That's the only thing I think the corners have that, you know, the, oh, is there a comeback going to happen here? Is he going to pull something out? Extraordinary. But. Yeah, you know, you're dead right. It, 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 something's going to happen here badly one of the days. I think it's just a matter of time, and it's a horrible thing to say, but I think it is, um, especially when corners are letting their fighters take so much damage where there's going to be, irre- you know, there's, there's going to be devastating circumstances and, and results and consequences from, from letting that kind of punishment continue. And, like, man, a guy's handing his teeth to the referee, man. Like, ref, you know, Herzog's come out and, said blame me yeah you know I, I do blame you first and foremost because that fight should have been stopped between rounds after the third round definitely in my opinion now w- when that's happening alone yeah. Herzog should be stopping the fight absolutely um, we're going to have a deeper look into these cards in a few minutes time uh, we have the first catch up with the one and only Darren Till uh, we just spoke to Darren uh, well Noel spoke to Darren last week right uh, Noel uh, 
I think it yeah. was the day the last Euro Bash came out, and we we had hoped yeah, it he would be on last week's yeah, Euro Bash. <laughs> yeah, this is the whole thing. So this is a disclaimer before it comes out. None of the stuff in relation to Daniel Kinahan had come out um, with KHK, MTK, um, you know, him getting to, to boxing with Bob Arm. None of that had come out. I wasn't aware of any of that sort of stuff. That's why there was no questions asked to Darren Till. He was supposed to be on last week's show, but we had a little bit. Darren's a hard man to get a hold of at times, just put it that way. So that's the reason why um, none of those questions were brought up, because I think it was last Tuesday morning we did it, um, and I think all the stuff came out on Wednesday or Thursday about Daniel that I was aware of. So there is, um, there it is. Yeah, that's it, Pitsy. Yeah, and we will have uh, Phil O'Connor on the show later on to discuss all this stuff. Um, obviously, it's kind of new um to have um him involved in in the mma world uh daniel kinnan so we, we're just kind of get an all sports take on this from uh, philip o'connor and try to gauge um how we should be approaching this as media members but um i mean i don't think no would have had any problem asking uh, nah. darren about it darren doesn't seem to mind talking about it either so i mean i don't think he he would shy away from that kind of question but um yeah i mean introduce what what did you guys talk about i believe you just talked about a lot about the 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 knife crime yeah, situation knife. where yeah there was a lot obviously to get through with Darren like him and you know he's been after every bloody media member on, on Twitter as well we had a bit of a laugh about that at the end but the more serious sort of takes were obviously um I asked him about you know the, the contract what he thought of it the fighters having to sign it you know um whether Dublin's still going to go ahead with him and Robert Whitaker um all that sort of stuff and obviously Spoiler, it's not yeah <laughs> it, it's more than like not fight island when he wants to get back in there obviously. You know, a lot of the European fighters at the moment aren't getting fights. So that's, you know, it's a pretty bloody serious thing for their career. And also uh, the knife crime and the in- initiative that himself and Leon and uh, Jimmy Mana have uh, have taken up. So, yeah, go listen to it. We'll be back, I'm sure, um, to talk a lot more shite. <laughs> Look back at some of the fights the weekend. And obviously, yeah, Phil O'Connor is going to join us in the show a bit later on as well. Always a pleasure. He's back on with us. Liverpool's favourite son, Mr. Darren Till. Darren. First of all, I have to ask you, how's the family? How's everyone? Are you guys amongst all this madness? Yeah. They're perfect, mate. Uh, hey, uh, my, my girlfriend's family are all off work, obviously, because of COVID-19. So they've been chipping in with the newborn and uh, the other one, the older one. So we, we've had a lot of help, mate, which has been really, really good for us, you know what I mean, in a time like this. So they're, they're all good and perfect, mate. I think they're just a little bit cooped up now, but, you know, I don't know what that fucking thing was the other day with Boris. If you can go out yeah. or you can't, but you know, I'm out doing a few little bits of things and that. You know, you know what I mean, mate. Good stuff. Good stuff. Good to hear, Darren. It's obviously been a difficult time for everyone, especially in your game, in the mixed martial arts game, in terms of training. How has that worked out for you? I know you're just back from a little bit of a workout there. What's been the process for you, Niall? I'm gonna stop you there, mate. This time for me hasn't been difficult at all. I've. Uh, I've really enjoyed not, you know, the the chaotic life we all lead. I've enjoyed just having peace and uh, I've been training an hour a day. I've been trying to stay away from the gym, obviously, because it's not good, but I've just been doing my own little weight circuits, running. I've been I've been running a hell of a lot. I've been doing a lot of sprint drills with myself. So, uh, you know, I'm cracking on with that and I'm, you know, that, I, I've enjoyed it. Obviously, I want it to end like everyone else, but if this is another two months, I'm going to be honest, mate, I'm not phased in the slightest. My fight's booked for August, so this is the independent fight game, mate. So, you know, I'm thinking of me. I'm thinking of my 
what I've got to look forward to. So yeah, fight Ireland, great, and that I enjoyed the fights the weekend. But I'm thinking of me, mate. Mm. So the eye is still very much, you know. There's obviously a lot of stuff up in the air, Darren, about that August fifteenth date. We'll talk about that in a moment. But but the eye and your mind is very much still set on that date. Yes. Yeah, well, that's the data I've been told. I'm not going to annoy Dana with messages while he's got all this other stuff on his plate, you know what I mean? So, for me, mate, I've been told the date. Robert Whittaker has been told the date. He talked about a catch weight because, obviously, we won't be training as usual, we would, as we usually would be. He talked about that. So, whatever he wants, mate, he can have. He's the former champion. You can have whatever you want. If you want to fight 115 kilos, mate, let's do it. I do not give a rat's ass. Would that suit you better, Darren, to have that catch weight? Not really now because middleweight is my my weight now. But as I say, mate, we've all gained weight. Let's not lie to ourselves and say that we're all eating correctly every single day, every single meal because we're not. I've just had six French fancies last night. You know, them little bake cakes. They were fucking, mate, they were fucking unreal. So let's not kid ourselves, do you know what I mean? Uh, if he wants to catch weight, I certainly would love to catch weight. Let's do it. August 15th, fans or no fans, I do not give a fuck now. You, mm. And you know I don't, mate. You, and everyone knows I don't. And to be fair to Robert, mate, I don't think he does, mate. Mm. Yeah, no, I agree. I think I think both of you, from what I've listened and heard about that in the last couple of weeks, that you, you both would seem pretty content on that. Listen, I got to ask you about Dublin. Obviously, you know we're Irish here, and you know it's a big disappointment when the government here announced that there is going to be mass ban gatherings until September. That's obviously very disappointing for you to hear that news. That this, you know, it, it basically puts the Dublin card off in so many words. Um, that's a ban of five thousand people or more in an arena. Would would you be open? to having a reduced capacity fight in Dublin? Or is that even a possibility at this point? Listen, Nell, I don't like to get uh, politically, you know, involved in all this. It, to me, right, this is how I see it. Dublin and Liverpool have the best fan base in the world. There's yeah. no comparison. People would argue the case that Dublin's better. People would argue the case that Liverpool was better. I don't give a fuck. They're both <laughs> unbelievable, amazing venues. The best in the world. So... Yeah, people can say, no, it's just a fight. Whether the fans are there or not, I don't care. Yeah, okay, mate, sounds. Tell someone else, bore someone else to sleep. It would be unreal with the fans. But if the Irish government are saying, which I don't know, that it's a, it's, yeah. it's a, it's a gathering of 5,000 and has to be reduced. I think there's three arena, if I'm not mistaken, mate, is 11,000 people. I could be wrong. Nine and a half. So, yeah, I, yeah nine and a half. I think still with 5,000 crazy Irishmen, whether you're a man, girl, woman, child, <laughs> you're all mad like the Scousers, so it'll still be unbelievable. But, it, you know, it's not down to me, it's not down to anyone, yeah. it's down to, you know, the, the powers that be, and, and whatever they say may go. So, yeah, no fans, it's going to be miserable. But, you know, it's, it's, it is it is what it is, mate. Yeah. It really is what it is. Have you spoken to Dana at all? I know Dana's, you know, exceptionally yeah. busy. What, what, what has Dana said to you about Dublin and mate. potentially about that fight? As I said to you, Niall, uh, I'm being, it's, you know, I'm being independently selfish and looking yeah. forward for me, but I'm not being selfish enough to message Dana with the bullshit that he probably can't be asked with. So I've sent him about two to three messages just saying, listen, mate, good luck. You've done well doing all this. And he's just been like, thanks, Till. 
uh, fist bumps and whatever. That's what he wants. He doesn't want me. Oh, Dana, is my fight going to be on? Oh, it's all about me, me, me. Shut the fuck up. Do you know what I mean? So that that's just that's what I've done, mate. And if Dana comes to me and says, Darren, your fight's still on, or Darren, listen, you and Whitaker, could you fight on the island? Whatever you want, mate. As long as you're bank and we're putting on for the fans and we're getting to, to do what we want to do, fight and create legacies. I'm all for it, Nyla. I'm I'm a neat, I'm a simple man, mate. You are. You've definitely chilled the beans as we as we talked about before, and you're you're a family man now, Darren. <laughs> uh, well, I'm half and half. I'm I'm about to go and get me me quad out me quad out later and just Jesus. tear some fields up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, mate. But Fight Island, what do you think about that whole uh, situation? Because you know Dane has been very coy about it. Is it a real thing? Yeah. It, do you know what, mate? I, I was on, I was on to the uh, the end, and he was asking my opinions on it. And I'm not a promoter, mate. I'm a fighter. And let's say, as a fighter, yeah, fucking great. We get to fight. We get to release all that stress and energy, whatever. Now, as a fight fan, again, great, amazing, blah blah blah. As a promoter now, and as a journalist, I know you've been getting mm. a lot of backlash now because yeah. I don't walk in, mate. I don't give a fuck to be honest, but. Is it good or is it bad? Well, I don't know. Is 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 it dangerous? Obviously, Jacare uh, got confirmed with COVID nineteen. Unfortunately, you know, I wish him. I, I, I hope he gets better yeah. soon. But he was next. He was next to like Verdum and all this and that. And so, is that safe? Is that unsafe? A lot of people, more percent than none, will say that it's unsafe. But you know, I I don't feel like who am I to say so. You know, let, let, let it crack on, mate. I don't know. I, I haven't really got an opinion on that. He, Eddie Ayn asked me the same. He said, mm. Darren, what's your opinion? I, I said to him, I said, Eddie, I really don't have an opinion on it because I don't know where I lie with it, you know what I mean? And I know you have been very vocal about it. So, you know. Yeah, well, well my feeling on it, Darren, was that, you know, you know, apparently Stephen A. Smith said when he was speaking to UFC officials and Jack Ray, that Jack Ray let the UFC officials know when he came in to Jacksonville that some of his family members may have had COVID-19, contracted COVID-19. So for me, it was a little bit strange that the UFC didn't isolate him straight away up in his room. And, you know, he still attended the Wayans and stuff. Them knowing that information was a little bit strange to me. I think they could have dealt yeah. with it better. I think they've amended it in fairness in this week that emails were sent out to the fighters and things like that. But yeah, I don't know if you can comment on this. What did you make of the reports that there was a clause in the fighters' contracts about not being able to talk about this kind of thing? Again, Niall, out of respect, I'll always speak out and I'll always speak openly, mate, 100%. I'll never have no one behind me saying, Darren, say this, say that. Yeah. I'll never have it. You know, I have I have advice. I have me, me coach who's basically me advice. He, he, he just fucking carries me through life. He fucking <laughs> probably can't stand me at this point in my life. But if I had a problem with the clause contract, if I had a problem directly with the company, if I had a problem with Dana... I would take that problem out with Dana and, and you know the bosses that be. I would I would confront that problem between me and them personally. Mm. It's not for the public. Now a lot of fighters have come out and a lot of fighters have said this and that. If I wasn't happy with some, you know, obviously it comes out that and you wasn't happy with your contract and that gets to the news and yet you do have to address it. But I don't know the ins and outs of this clause contract. It seemed that it was more towards the company that, than it was the fighters. Okay, sad. But I haven't thought, mate. I haven't felt what it, you know, I don't really know. Mm. I haven't even read it properly. I, I have a little glance, I had a little glance through it the other day. But 
out of respect, mate, that would probably be a conversation for me and Dana. And I've always said this, and I'd always 100%. like to keep me mentality that way. You know what I mean? 100%. Yeah, I just had to ask the question, Darren. You, you know yourself. It's obviously, obviously been talked mate, about in, in the news. And there was obviously journalists on site that were sort of more or less, uh, you know, forced into signing from It's the from same thing, Niall. It's the same thing as when people fight people and they, like, you know, obviously people say, well, Darren, give us your opinion on what so-and-so yeah. did outside of the octagon. Oh, for example, what do you think about Conor McGregor doing this outside the octagon? Yeah, My exactly. answer's always the same. I couldn't give a fuck because, mate, I do madness outside the octagon. <laughs> We're not all saints. I don't consider myself a bad person. I consider myself a good person who makes a lot of mistakes. And, you know, I'm sort of these, I, I do before I think type of people. But, you know, uh, it's, it's one of them, mate. Like... Mm. Definitely. It's, it's it's hard. Yeah, I just go off. If someone's, if you said to me, now, well, what do you think of this? I'd say I focus on that man's skills inside the octagon. What he does outside, it, it, you know, I don't really give a fuck unless he's fucking, you know, doing something serious. Like, you know, then yeah, okay, address this to Jane. That's fucking disgusting. But, you know, if he's having a fight or if he's doing this, throwing bottles, I don't give a fuck, mate. Yeah. Don't yeah. bother me with the details. Exactly. Do you know what I mean? It's fair enough. Look, look after your, your own issues. Yeah, of course. Darren, I got I was speaking to Paul Felder last week on, on our show here, and Paul was under the illusion that a lot of the American fighters in the UFC rankings might benefit from what's going on with the COVID-19. Obviously, visa issues are going to be an issue. You know, guys are going to have to travel to the States. Getting over there is going to be a big, big issue for European guys. Is, is there sort of a case if we don't get fights resolved for some European fighters, like on Fight Island, which Dana has said it's going to be for international fighters, that you guys are maybe going to fall behind and be overlooked for in the rankings because of the way the UFC is set up? It is, obviously, a lot of it's geared towards business in the United States in terms of pay-per-view. Yes, of course, but, you know, okay, we've got Dublin. I, we, I'm sure we can go back to Liverpool. I'm sure we can fight, you know, I'm sure I can sell three main, I'm sure I can do three main events, you know, before yeah. this is all over. Obviously, fans are no fans in Europe somewhere, so, and and the company knows that. Every every fight I have now, they, 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 you know, they never come to me, Darren, do you want, you know, mate, I've just co-main evented one of the biggest ever UFC shows at MSG. You know, I'm a main event, co-main event fighter now. So, for me, I don't see it as a problem. But then, yeah, the lower ends, let's say, you know, a lot of fighters, even one of my teammates, Grundy, they all just got looked over because of London. They got paid exactly. perfect, but are they going to be getting thought about now, you know, in, in this? Probably not, which is... So they just have to fight and be vocal. I've said to Grundy many times, mate, you need to call this out or that out. Yeah. And he says to you know, Darren, I'm not there yet. And I do understand them, but you have to be vocal, mate. You really do. Like, uh, you've got to be vocal. Yeah, 100%. I agree. You know, it's, it, it, it is the fight game at the end of the day. And, you know, well, I think when people yes, are interested, uh, as you well know, that they, they tend to sort of gravitate and tune in more. Listen, uh, yourself, Jimmy Mano, and Leon Edwards came together last week and you're putting something together about um, knife crime in the UK. And those areas have been obviously predominant. We were speaking to, to Leon on the show a couple of weeks ago. Um, the kid stabbed in Birmingham was his best friend's brother, I believe. What, what's going on here? Have you re you've reached out to politicians as well? Can you can you give us an update on what's going on with with this uh, yeah. organization you guys are forming? Yeah, again now, uh, you know, Jimmy reached out to me. He, he said, Darren, listen, me, you, Leon, we've all been involved in some sort of knife crime, crime, blah blah. We've had these mad upbringings, and yes, we have. He said, would you mind coming together? I said, not a fucking problem. So 
he made a group for me, him and Leon, and we've just been bouncing ideas. Now, to be totally honest with you, Jimmy and Leon know a little bit more about it than me. I think they're more in it than me, but... You know the powers that be. You know we're all very, we're all very powerful on social media. We've yeah. got a powerful following. So why don't we come together to use that and stop these, these, these? Listen, knife crimes always gonna exist, Niall. It, it always is. Like gun crimes always gonna exist. That's just a thing. Like you know, it's always gonna exist. But these mindless crimes with these kids who they don't know what they get themselves into, you know, whether it, for example, it could be a beef with another gang or whatever, and they're like, okay, we'll we'll sort that. Instead of going fist fighting, whatever, they're taking knives and they're not intentionally going out to kill someone or sometimes they are. And they're getting themselves in a, in a world of bother where they're, they're taking a man's life, a woman's life, they're, they're taking their own life away as well now because they're getting life yeah. in prison for, for that. And it should be. It's You take another man's life, especially with a vicious crime like knife crime, you should be getting life in prison. You get caught with a knife, as Jimmy, we, me, Jimmy and Leon were speaking, you should be getting 10 years. No, we don't even want to speak about the judge. 10 years, go yeah. and think about why you were carrying that knife. And that's what we're trying to do. So Jimmy reached out to a powerful figure in London. And I know Leon's has been speaking to some powerful figures. I messaged the mayor of Liverpool, Joe Anderson. I haven't got a reply as yet, but we're just dwindling at the moment, mate. We're just we're throwing ideas mm. at each other, and, and hopefully we will come together with something. But as I said, mate, mate, they they're more in it than me. But I'm I'm there, and they say, Dan, you know, can you do this? Can we do this? Yes, sad, whatever, not a problem. This goes further than than fighting. You know what I mean? Of course. It's a great thing you guys are doing. I, I admire you what you're doing, using your platforms and your your presence to to promote that. Uh, it's absolutely fantastic, and obviously it's something that's close to you. You know, you obviously got stabbed. I think it was 2012, and it sort of changed the trajectory of your life going to Brazil and things like that. So fair play to you well, guys. Yeah, anyway. I got I got, sta- I got stabbed yeah. when I was a kid as well. You know, I was fucking yeah. gangs and it's this and that, and you, it's you know, makes it it is a real real problem, and especially in COVID nineteen now, we can really really address this problem. Definitely. Fair play to you guys. Anyway, I hope it keeps going, and obviously you're going to keep us updated on, a, on on what what's going on there. Listen, you, you've been slating everyone again on Twitter. It's been very amusing. We talked about it a little bit before we got on air. There was words again exchanged with Colby Covington last night. He was giving you a bit of grief here on the show when he had him. We had him on, I think, about a month ago. He was calling you uh, Darren the Doughboy Tail and things like that. Uh, what, what's going on with he, you and Colby at the moment? Said, <laughs> he said he liked me in in MSG the Lions what. Now, mate, listen, this is how it is with Colby, yeah. I'm gonna because this is this is how where it is a lot like I'm not done, mate, yeah. I'm a simple man, but I'm not done. The big act Colby does and whatever, it doesn't affect me, mate. It doesn't affect me what he says. Yeah. If we were to ever fight, it's words, mate. So this is how I see the Colby thing, yeah. Colby is one of the best MMA fighters right now in the UFC. Agreed. Yeah, yeah agreed. Totally agree. Agreed. I don't give a fuck what anyone says. That fight with Usman, I want to see Colby Usman too. It was Definitely. a close fight. It could have went either way. Unbelievable. Usman got the finish. Was it the right call? Yeah, I think it was. Colby might have said different. I know he gave Mark a lot of shit, which it I is. thought was uncomfortable. But this is it, mate. It's all an act. Because I've heard from very close people that he's actually an okay guy. So there's that end. But, mate... I can talk shit as well. Like, I remember I, I messaged him that message. Like, it was in 2018, and he's like, hey, man, thanks for the support. And I was like, what support? Here's a fucking shit. That's what you look like. So, <laughs> it's, mate, it's, there's nothing to it. Like, you want to talk some shit? Okay, there you go. You've been 
destroyed, mate. I destroyed you. There's no comeback. But that's how it is, mate. He, but let's not let's not look over the fact that he is an unbelievable fighter and is worth it. Like I was in the gym. I remember before this COVID nineteen, and the coach was a uh, not Colin. Our wrestling coach was off. I think he was away with his lad doing wrestling tournaments. And so I said, you know what, guys, I'll take the wrestling class. We'll just we'll just do drills and we'll just we'll wrestle and blah blah. And I remember shouting between rounds, Colby Covington mentality, because. When you see that guy fight, the mentality to get that takedown is, it's unmatched. So, oh yeah, he's a prick, he chats shit, but we can't look over the fact that he's a high, high level wrestler. So there you go, mate, that's where I'm at with it. And I said now, you'll always get the truth, mate. Yeah, 100%. No, listen, there's no doubting Colby is a phenomenal talent, and I 100% want to see that one again. Uh, what, what a scrap that was one of my favourite scraps of the last 12 months definitely listen any any word from, from Izzy on your, your private DMs have you been still uh, grinding <laughs> at each other playing with each other no I, I haven't been on much uh, I've been on Twitter more. I haven't been on much Instagram to be honest with you I gave it a little rest because I thought I'd but he's he fucked me off for the fucking ultimate fight he's like no so I was like okay okay wait till I fucking burst Whitaker's head and then we'll see what you're saying you scrawny little cunt <laughs> but nah mate we, uh, we, we, we we speak a lot to be, tr- be truthfully he messaged me the other day and he was like Darren KFC's back open mate get oh. yourself get your fat get your fat ass down there <laughs> and I was like I'll be there mate don't worry he, he's, he, he's, he's actually a, he's a good guy he is I, I find it interesting though because you, you know what you're doing and we talked about this before like of course, you, of course. You, you come across like you know all your best pals, but you you know there's probably going to be a point when you're both going to throw down, right? Listen, mate, we are going to fight. I don't care what anyone says. We're going to fight. The best man will win. I, I believe I will beat him and I will become the middleweight champion. Whatever, we will fight. It'll be for the the culture. It'll be for the fans, for the people, for the culture of of Muay Thai kickboxing K1 slash everything. Yeah, and and. It's going to be epic, but until then, mate, I got no hard feelings yeah. towards that man. Yeah, I'm going to punch a hole through his face, and he's probably going to punch one through mine, but he, he gets the joke, he gets the banter, he gets the frenemies. You know, now, let's fucking make this fight massive. Let's make a load of fucking... T- Do you know what I mean, mate? 100%. You've, you've obviously Robert Whitaker first, and I know that's the target. That's... What's going to get you there? Um, I believe the winner that's going to fight Israel Adesanya for the title, and I'm sure you're along the, the same beliefs. Well, yeah, you know, we're all, you know, Izzy's a superstar now, and I'm becoming a superstar in my own right. Mm. And when I punch the head, when I punch the neck off Whitaker, then me and him are going to fight. But, you know, I, I, I have to look, I have to focus every single ounce of my energy. Yeah. And I know I've been criticised before. I thought, well, about saying I don't care about my kids and that. Same mentality, mate, and people understand what I mean. It's not that I don't care about my kids. I have to put every ounce of my energy into beating a, num- a former champion who beat the scariest man on earth, Yoel Romero, twice. I have to put every bit of energy into that, mate, and we're going to fight. I can understand that comment, and it was totally taken out of context the last time as well, and I know you said it straight, but it was a ridiculous, um, a ridiculous uh, the way people construed your words and misinterpreted what you meant. Obviously, you're, you know, you're, you're, you're concentrating on, on the target. Listen, mate, we live in a generation yeah. of people 
who look for things to be offended by. So of course. that's just how it is nowadays. You know, I remember when Yorkie bars, the advert for Yorkie, and it used to say, yeah. not for girls. Can you imagine if yeah. they'd done that now? <laughs> it, it's very true. There's you a know? lot there's a lot of films <laughs> films as well that, you know, ten years ago they, they wouldn't be made these days and uh, listen, I gotta ask you gotta ask you one more. You've been targeting the MMA media. Who's next on your hit list? <laughs> <laughs> you if you don't play your fucking card. No, do you know what, mate? Right? Listen, everyone's bored. Everyone's bored. Even fucking Ariel Hawani's bored. You know, let's just keep it interesting and whatnot. But I don't know. I've been targeting Ariel and I targeted Brett a bit, but he didn't fight. He didn't like bite back. And I've been looking at John Anik. He's he's been saying a few things. And <laughs> mate, if he wants. He wants to go, you know, we might have Kenny Florian, but Kenny Florian's the size of my leg. I'll boot him up and down his fucking podcast studio, you know, so we'll see. We'll see what's happening, mate, we'll see. The, Amer- the Americans don't get our banter. They don't, but they're slowly warming to it, and they're they slowly are. warming to me. They're just like, they're like, listen, let's just not take it till serious. He's fucking just having a laugh, so that's good. That's It's for the culture, Niall, it's for the culture of MMA, mate. Darn, and listen. you know it's good. It's Listen, mate. You brilliant. know it's good, right? You know, you know it's good when you've got the likes of a powerhouse like Eddie Hearn wanting me on his show. So we must be doing something, right? Hundred percent. Listen, Darren. It's always a pleasure to speak to you. You've been great. I think over this time, as you said, there having you know a laugh and a joke, keeping spirit people's spirits up. Yeah, very, very much looking forward to that fight against Robert Whitaker, wherever it may Thank be. You, pal. And listen, uh, best Appreciate wishes to you and your family, and hope you stay safe, man. Appreciate it as always. Thank you very much, my man. See, see you later. Thanks for the chat. Thank you so much to the lovely Darren Till. Um, nice one, Daz. Great to speak to him as always. He said he's going, be, he's, he's going to be after me, maybe, on his Twitter rants about uh, MMA media. So I, <laughs> I'm holding my breath. He threatened John Anik as I well, Nick, So should be interesting. I'm I met with, I, I met with crosshairs with Dazzler. I, I I think I'm one of the first guys to interview him when he was when, before his UFC debut. But um, I don't get the treatment. I think he must know about my world-renowned ground game. That's yeah, the only reason I can think clearly of. Scared, that he, well, clearly scared. Clearly scared. Clearly scared. In great form. He's, don't be scared, homie. He's <laughs> he's in great form these days. Those two two kids have definitely chilled him out a little bit. But uh, no, it's interesting it's to brilliant on social media. The social media game, he's unbelievable. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's it's he's got better. It's at fantastic. It. He's got but better. This, at this whole quarantine has he's brought been amazing. Out of him. I yeah. Think, yeah, I, like it's hilarious. He's been great. He's been a great entertainment. To everyone, I said that to him at the end of the interview. You've been you've been wild. It's been fun. So uh, listen, I'm sure we'll have well, well, <laughs> we'll speak to him again in the in the future. Anyway. Um, at some points, don't don't let make us pin down a date for that. Yeah, yeah. that could be any time. It's it's normally you normally need to give yourself a week with Darren and then a, a day or two on top. So yeah, you go you go. When do we want Darren on the show? Okay, two weeks time. Okay, so we better start now, and then just pretend. Just try to lure him out the other way. I, I think he gets serious satisfaction out of going like, oh yeah, I'll do that. And you're like, all right, cool, Darren, just tell us what time. And then nothing. <laughs> he was like, oh, come on, dude. He, he said, Jesus he, Christ. He was interesting. He said he sna- he'd snap Kenny Florian as well. He goes, he's too fucking small. I'd snap him and all this. So he's he's going after people on Twitter. Kenny Florian gets in the mix there. The he's just, he, he's, he's been talking about uh, going after media members and he said, uh, John Anik and Kenny Florian might be next, so or me even. So oh yeah, I don't want I don't want none of that there. I'm alright. 
<laughs> it's only heat. But uh, I, I might stir the pot with Kenny Florian and uh, and John Anik tomorrow and <laughs> see what the crack is. Get him to, to make That's a bet it. with John Anik about over some tattoo that Anik will lose and you have to get another one. That'll be funny. <laughs> Watching that. Scouser Let's tattoo have, on him. Um, Let's have a look at this Wednesday card, and we'll look at the, the Saturday card immediately after that. Um, but first of all, the Wednesday card, we spoke about Anthony Smith there. Um, little low-key run Glover Teixeira's put together here. Four fight, four wins in a row. I mean, that kind of puts you immediately into that title picture as far as I'm concerned. You don't see a lot of streaks yeah. like that at light heavyweight anymore. Yeah, no, definitely. And, and I think we spoke about these two lads, you know... <sighs> Where they are in the division, there's obviously a couple of lads ahead of them still, I believe. You know, the, the Reyes rematch, we don't know if John Jones is talking about fighting bloody Francis and Ganu now. So, again, it's just hard to gauge, really, um, where these guys are because it's it, it's mainly going to be down to what John Jones wants to do. And, you know, he's all over the place at the moment. He's, he's talking to Israel Adesanya, he's, he's talking about Stipe, he's talking about Franny and Ganu. Yeah, listen, fair play to Glover, but... Realistically, could you see him beating John Jones again? You know, it's it's just a tough division no, to work out at the, the moment. I don't know what the appetite is yeah. is like for it either. To be honest with you, man. Um, Big Ben Rockwell made it two in a row um, against Owen St. Prue in the co-main event. But what about Drew Drew Dober? I Amazing. mean, I, I predicted that he beat Alexander Hernandez, but yeah. it's weird with Hernandez. He had such a lightning start to his career with the UFC, and it's just kind of fizzled. It's just he's not been able to keep that consistency at all. It's like win loss, win loss. Um, but I, I had a feeling Drew Dober was going to catch him. Yeah. Dober has really emerged as a force at one fifty five, isn't he? Big time, man. Whatever he's doing with Justin Gaethje and the boys up there, you know, they're they're obviously working their arses off, and you know, it's paying dividends since he's gone up there, and he's looked like he's looked like a fucking proper contender now at the moment with those yeah. last few performances, and just seems to all round have you know even his takedown defense, you know. You know, his box and everything seems to have come on. And he's definitely a threat. Like, I remember watching Drew years ago, the fight against Nick Hine when, you know, I think he married Nick Hine's sister at one point. I don't know if they're still together. Yeah. Um, and he was just, he he was just your, your run-of-the-mill fighter. But he's he's just evolved so much. And he's, you know, done a lot up there um, with those guys and um, Trevor Whitman. So, yeah, fair play to him. I'm looking forward to see where that goes. And Anthony Hernandez, or Alexander Hernandez, man, very disappointing. And I think it was sort of mentioned a lot in the broadcast in ESPN during that week as well that he's not a very likable dude either. And I don't think that really helps him. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, being, I'm being deadly honest here. You know, he comes across very hostile. And, bit of a dickhead. And, uh, he's fine. <laughs> even though I, I was on the online media day as well. And I was just like, this guy, just, just the aura he gives off is a little bit, you know, it's a little bit cocky or brash. And maybe he needs to sort of look at himself and and and, and check what he's doing. Um because, yeah, just from what we saw when he came out and he had that great win against Benil Dariush, he just has not followed up. And, um, yeah, he's, listen, could be a, a waking up period for him. So, yeah, it could be good things that, that he's lost him. He's a young kid as well. He's not particularly, oh, what is he, 24 or 5? Along that, even younger maybe. So, yeah, listen. Listen, he's, he's still going to be a guy to be reckoned with, I think, in the future. But he's uh, he's obviously um, a bit stupid. He's 27, actually. He's something he was that old. Nearly the same age as you now. Yeah. So, catching up, man. Catching up. Catching up. <laughs> you owe Andre Arlovsky an apology. Go ahead. No, I, I don't. Um, <laughs> you know, he he won the fight, man. Um, you know, yeah. He looked, he looked stunning. Philip Lenz, uh, a Brazilian contender, 
um, come in. Everyone expects him to dance all over the great Arlovsky, the European god, former UFC champion, of course, a legend of the European scene. But no, no, not today. Belarus has different ideas for you, my friend. I thought Arlovsky looked as good as he has in a very, very long time. Uh, what did you think, Noel McGrath? Yeah, he did, but, like, you know, where is this all going, Petey? He's not getting a title shot. Like, he's there's not a hope in hell. I'll run around Dublin naked if he, if he gets a title shot. It's just not happening. Like, where, where, where you know, what is the purpose of, of this career at this point? You know, and I'm not, like, there was a point where he lost five in the bounce in the UFC. Um, you know, he's lost, f- f- what, four of his last six as well. So, it was a decent performance. That's that's pretty much it. against Same possible, man. That's all he was doing. <laughs> Philip Linz. Um who hasn't, you know, exactly the most amazing record in the world either. So, yeah, it, it is what it is, really, at this point. International prospect, yeah. Okay. okay. Um, Tiago Moises sure. still hook over Michael Johnson ends the night. Uh, Sahari Eubanks wins a split, wins the unanimous decision over Sarah Moros. Um, Omar Morales and Gabriel Benitez was a fucking savage fight. Yeah, it was a that was a, that was a knock. It was a wild, it was a wild scrap. Um, really what enjoyed about that Ireland? one. What about Ireland? Brian Kelleher. Flying Brian. Getting it done again, man. Man, Boom is on some run, man. and He's really, really getting people to care about him. Um, You know, I felt like he picked up a lot of traction, especially for a guy who's fighting, you know, second fight of the night there on a Wednesday night card. I felt like it was a huge night for him again. Put together, he's having a great 2020 so far. I feel people are warming to him. I like the fact that both of these bantamweights are competing at featherweight. Really, really nice for me. I think, I think, I really like the O'Malley fight. Do you like? I, I really, I really, really want to see Keller fight O'Malley. I don't, I don't see why um, O'Malley is dragging his feet with that. I'll, t- um, I'll tell you why, man. Keller gets it. He, he gets the media. He gets the sell, and he gets where he wants to be. And he's really laying down a plan here, and he's executing the plan to perfection at the moment. He's thought about this, you know. He's he, as we had him on the show last week. What did he say? Contender series killer. Then go on to fight O'Malley's is the next sort of path to call. He gets how to sell himself, and loads of people were t- look at the traction he got online after that fight. There, people are talking about. Yeah, it. yeah. that's exactly what he wants. Very, very. You know clever. what it really was, though. Let's be honest, now. Oh, he's yeah. on the biggest show. Of course. Easy. He's on the biggest show Easy. in European MMA. Exactly. Obviously. That's what and, happens. And he's Irish now. He's from he's got Do- that he's, Euro touch. He's from from from, uh, from Churchtown. Uh, <laughs> all right. But, but listen, I thought he was an Arclo man. Oh, Arclo. Sorry, shit. I'm getting confused now. There's, there's a Marcellus chipper in, in, Church, in Arclo as well as Churchtown, right? <laughs> but it, it is, man. The guy really, you know, breath of fresh air. We need more guys like this. A lot of people. In that division, a lot of martial artists up and coming could take a look at what Brian Kelleher has done in terms of selling himself, laying out a plan and executing it because it's been really, really good this year. And, um, you know, props to him. I hope he, he does get that fight against Sean O'Malley. Whether Sean's going to be interested or not, I don't know. Um, but really clever and intelligent uh, sort of selling himself, definitely. Chase Sherman, uh, heavyweight champion of Bare Knuckle FC, had a fantastic man. performance against Ike Villanelva. Yeah, he he like has never looked so good in his life. Never, even physically, his body was banging. Yeah, and he was fucking laying on them hammers. I thought that was uh, the best I've seen Chase Sherman ever looked, in my opinion. Definitely, and I think he he sort of admitted that he did, he had a few problems in his life outside of fighting. Um, you know, now he's a fireman, I believe, as well. And you know, obviously things are, are are looking good for him, and his hands looked unbelievable, incredible. Maybe Bare Knuckle did something for someone. Jesus Christ! Um, but yeah, good stuff from Chase Sherman. Looking forward to seeing him back in there. That was a lethal performance. 
I feel very sorry for Marvin Vittori, though. Um, if you guys, yeah, he was man. obviously on the show last week. His fight with Carl Robertson was called at the 11th hour, as has become a pretty normal practice around these wild events. But, man, the footage that emerged... That was um, wild, wasn't it? From, from the hall, uh, I believe it was Al from um, BJ Penn that put it out, I believe, um, um, an Italian journalist. He... he Al Zolino, he put out the clip of Vittori just losing it. And like, you're just, I'm just looking at the footage. And I'm like, this is a guy that has expected to fight three times in the last month and every one of them fell apart. And, he, and look, I know it's not it's not the ideal way for a professional to be carrying himself. Uh, I can understand this. looking at that going like, this is just a guy, this is a guy yeah. that's just lost his shit today. He has enough of it. And um, he's had such a hard fucking career over the last two years. It's, it's hard to blame the guy for just melting down like that, you know, especially when, you're denied that big release that combat sports gives these athletes. You know, they're gearing up to fight um, such a mm. such an outpouring of emotion, endorphins, everything. And then you're not going to be able to do it. And you're after risking traveling to all these different countries. Yeah. You know, it's I, I completely understand where he's coming from. Um, but the, like it's a tough yeah, no, situation for him, right? I agree 100 percent. And, you know, who knows what's what's going back on at home for him in Italy as well. Obviously, you know, the epicenter in Europe at one point of this um, pandemic. And yeah, listen, man, it must be just, the emotions must be insane to have so many fights fall out. Then you're literally two days away from an event, a day away, and you get the news that your opponent's pulled again. You know, we spoke to him last week. He was, you know, he was desperate to get in there, desperate to fight after, um, you know, having those uh, pullouts and fallouts um, over the last number of uh, months. And yeah, like, man, people don't understand. These guys are cutting weight, um, you know, they're irritable. It's going to be the case, and you know nothing but respect for that guy. And uh, listen, shit happens like that. People just have to deal with it. It's uh, it's part and parcel of it. And uh, yeah, fuck it. It is what it is. Um, let's move on to Saturday's card. Uh, Alistair Overeem, another European legend, um, got a big win after a hellish first round uh, that Walt Harris put on him. Yeah, uh, got the win in the third round, ra- second round, I believe. Uh, Walt seemed like he just gassed himself out, beating the piss out of Alistair Overeem in the first kind of uh, opening couple of minutes. He had him on the ground. Yeah. I'd say the referee was very close to stopping that fight a number of times. Um, testament to Overeem for coming back and getting that uh, round two win. Obviously, the big story coming into this was, um, you know, Harris competing after the, uh, losing his daughter um, earlier this year, which is an incredibly sad story. SportsCenter ran a feature about it in the lead-up to the event, um, but not not the not the storybook ending for Walt Harris on Fight Night, uh, Noel. No, no, listen, it was very close to being the storybook ending for Walt Harris on Fight Night, and I think he'll look back on that fight and, and maybe regret some of the things he did in that first round in terms of selecting his shots. He could have been a lot better with that. I think he, he sort of saw Alistair hurt and jumped on and, and, and sort of going with a flurry. If he'd been one or two more shots that have probably landed, um, he would have got the, the stoppage. But, you know, credit to Alistair Overeem as well. I don't think that's been sort of mentioned enough. Um, you know, can't have been easy for Alistair going in on that fight week as well, fighting Walt, and there was a lot of respect between the two guys. I thought Alistair handled himself absolutely fantastically, even before the bout, uh, when he came into the octagon, he ran around, gave him a hug. Um, it was very, very respectful, and um, we saw, obviously, the afters as well. But, yeah, listen, Walt's going to bounce back from that, you know, nothing but respect for that guy for getting in there with all those emotions. It must have been, you know, I can't, don't know, even fathom how he, how he got in there. 
and and did that. So uh, yeah, he's an inspiration, I think, to to the world of sport, let alone mixed martial arts. And uh, Alistair Overeem deserves a lot of credit as well. But yeah, big big win for Alistair. Alistair went in as well as uh, underdog, slide underdog in that fight. So so there you go. Um, Incredible, very interesting. Yeah. Um, I wanted to, I wanted to just give you uh, a quick ask you very quickly what way you scored these fights because there seems to be a bit yeah. of debate. I feel there was a lot of close fights on the night, um, but obviously there has been a lot of um, a lot of uh, kind of split decisions not going the way of uh, the majority, let's say, um, as they have it on Twitter, etc. That we're looking at. But I, I, I do think they're close fights. But Gadelia v Hill, who did you have that for? I had it for Hill two rounds to one twenty nine twenty eight. Yeah, I did too. Uh, Dan Ige versus Edson Barbosa. Who? What did you have for that? I. This was probably the, the fight where I was most sort of. Yeah, yeah. I was uh, talking at the time, sure. Yeah. yeah I, right. I think Edson won that two rounds to one as well. Twenty nine, twenty eight. I think it was it was it was a lot clearer maybe than the other fights. Uh, the arguments there. I thought Ige, man. <laughs> did, did you? Well, it's, I know. I'm not trying yeah, to say I'm yeah. right. You're wrong, but listen. I, 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 I like, need to, I need to watch it back, and I do. Um, yeah. Same. Same. And then obviously we you dong. And Vera as well. I did for Vera. Um, so, Same, yeah. So I'd, you know, all three fights there, I'd, the losers winning. So maybe it says something about me, the way I'm looking at fights, but, uh, no, you know. No, I think they're close fights. I think I think it's it's one of these things where I sometimes I feel like, you know, most people do understand yeah. that I'm fucking, how many media members to have to tell us the criteria. <laughs> yeah. Every single one of these things happens, but... I feel like it's a, it's just a clear fight. Um, I mean, it's a close fight. And sometimes these things, it's it's very hard to, to see someone, you know, not, not getting yeah. rewarded for putting on a fantastic fight. And all of these guys did. But, um, yeah. The, the, one thing just, I, the, one thing I, the one thing I will say about Vera and, and Yudong um, was if you look at the judge's decision being read out, um, in that fight especially, at all three of them, Song looked like he'd resigned to defeat, and and Vera looked like shit. A lot of people are saying this, yeah. And I think that was maybe an indication that 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 Yudong thought he'd lost the fight. And I know uh, Jason Perillo has been working with um, Marlon Vera as well, um, in the build up to this fight as as, as well as uh, Colin Ayama. And um, you know Jason was pretty pissed off with 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 that decision. Um, so listen again, I'd have to watch it back. I haven't had a chance because I'm fucking knackered from this last week. Is staying up <laughs> at six seven a.m. in the morning. Um, but yeah, I think that was maybe the indication for me that at all the three fights there that that Marlon Vera probably should have got that. Um, yes, uh, Matt Brown's return to action oh, yeah, um, did not go well. Lost by uh, a big left hook to Miguel Baeza in the second round. He looked good, their, man. Uh, their, yeah, he did. Therefore, he topped the prelims, I believe. Um, Kevin yeah. Holland, um, beautiful knee, finishes off Anthony Hernandez in their middleweight bout. And uh, Jiga Chikadze, uh, what do you think of this? Guy? A lot of cool, people seem to be very excited about this dude. He looked like uh, a Georgian version of MVP with the stance on him and, and uh, you know, keep on changing I saw stance, you talking the, about the that. The karate yeah. stance and, and taekwondo. He was mixing up lots. And, uh, yeah, listen, looked really impressive. I, I, it's hard to judge, obviously, against the, the level of opponents he's had at the moment. It's been a slow build, but definitely someone I'm looking forward to seeing again, man. Yeah, 100%. Um, Darren Elkins oh, uh, got Jesus. burst open in um, that picture that emerged from that is is fucking wild, man. That, God, that was, your man Lanweir was a pain in the arse. Lost, he, yeah. he he wouldn't go down too well in Dublin, would he? I was just saying that the other night. <laughs> Imagine a guy like that floating around Dublin. Jesus Christ! 
<laughs> you know what I mean? He was, he, he was giving me a headache, man. I, I, I couldn't be listening to that guy for, for too long. Jesus Christ. He wouldn't he was shouting during the fucking fight. And then after it was like, all right, I'm muting this guy after 30 seconds. Like, but listen, <laughs> but, but fair play to him. He got people talking. But yeah, Jesus. Odd character. Very strange. <laughs> Is the writing on the roll for Mara Romero Barella? Three defeats in the bounce. It seems she's in very, very dodgy ter- uh, territory here. Yeah, I, I think so, man. Um, there's no, there's no way around it. Like, I mean, it's. I think, I think you need to be someone like uh, Arlovsky who's won a belt to, yeah. to to hang around after losing four straight or whatever it is, you know. Um, and I think it was Cerrone even. Um, it was Courtney's first finish in a, in a long time as well. So, um, yeah, you know, she's not really known for her finishing. So, yeah, it, it it'll be tough, I think, for it to hang around. Um, in the UFC after that one, yeah, definitely, I agree. Right, well, let's uh, let's move on and get a take on these three events from Philip O'Connor, a man who we've been at international events with, a man who covers the sport very closely, but also covers a lot of other sports, um, in all sports journalists, who can give us a real zoomed-out view of what these uh, fights mean. Dana White has said it was a 10.5. That was his rating for the 3-0 events, believe it or not. Dana thinks he did a good job. Surprise, surprise. Um, Obviously, there's some huge talking points from this event um, in terms of the waivers that were signed by not only fighters but media members too. Um, There's also a huge political element to these events with Donald Trump appearing on the show. Um, And as as we said ahead of the the Darren interview, we didn't get to speak to him about this whole uh, Daniel Kinnan situation with top rank uh, with KHK MMA. So we spoke to Phil about that, um, basically to just give us an idea of how we should be approaching this. What are the questions we should be asking about Daniel Kinnan being involved with KHK MMA and what we can expect uh, moving forward with this storyline? Because it seems pretty clear that with top rank, KHK, all these guys speaking about uh, Daniel Kinnan, um, it seems like he is trying to, um, you know, reemerge as a as a, a businessman more so than um, what he's known for in, in Ireland yeah. at the moment or um, as commonly known as. Uh, so let's go over to Phil. We had a big chat with Phil. Uh, we don't do any half measures with Mr. O'Connor here. We gave him as we gave him the table as we <laughs> always do. For as long as he wants. A beautiful, beautiful man. Uh, a man we both have massive respect Definitely. for. And he has helped us out at every turn in our careers. We love Big him very time. much. And it was great to have him on um, to speak about all this. He is uh, he is a real fountain of knowledge as our Phil. And he's got a beautiful beard despite what Noel McGraw always says. <laughs> and we have drafted him back in. My good friend and one of the great journalists, um, Philip O'Connor from Reuters. And our man in Stockholm podcast, Philip how are you, my love? It's been a long time. I don't believe we've had you on since the, the Las Vegas special, my friend. Yeah, it seems like an eternity ago now, but it was only, what, four or five months ago we were walking down the Las Vegas Strip and we were talking about Connor and Habib. And just around that time, I'd say, it was around about the time the coronavirus was actually breaking out in Wuhan, China, and has turned everything on its head. But no, it's absolutely brilliant. It's great to be back on what is essentially the only podcast in MMA that matters at this point in time. Uh, we have, of course, the UFC is back. There are various other promotions who are talking about getting back to work. Um, they're lumbering from, you know, tragedy to triumph to disaster to I don't know what you'd call it at the moment as always in MMA so things are gradually getting back to normal and here in Stockholm we never had the lockdown that uh, you had in in Dublin Peter or in the rest of Europe and around the world so I've been pretty free to move around hasn't been a whole lot of jiu-jitsu unfortunately but uh, yeah no we are slowly getting back to normal is how I describe it 
that's all that's all, that's all great to hear my friend and i guess that that you spoke about the ufc there and you have covered some of the biggest sporting events globally uh, for Reuters, and I'm just wondering. I guess my first question is: What is the perception of the UFC now? Has this been a way to put a spotlight on the sport, given that they've, you know, Dana White's made such a big thing of being the first uh, sport back? I know a lot of sports have come back since, including Bundesliga, uh, golf. Um, but what is what is the international perception of of MMA at the moment? The UFC has has this helped them, or or has it been a hindrance to the growth of the brand? Do you feel? I think it's been very much a missed opportunity, Peter. And I'd like to say, just to start off with, I'm not speaking on behalf of Reuters or the Irish Times or the BBC or anybody that I usually work from. These are sort of my personal opinions about that, right? But I did cover the recent cards for the Reuters news agency. And it kind of brought home to me how difficult it is to work with the UFC and to work with MMA in general, right? So if we go back to UFC 249, Tony against um, Justin Gaethje, you know, this is the card. This is where sport was coming back. We were getting back to normal. And personally, I just felt that the whole thing was just, it was disastrously bad because everything went wrong from the very beginning. Here we had a situation where sport was coming back. This is what we wanted. We wanted live action. We'd had a great time talking about, all matches and all fights and you know who are the top 10 of all time but no no here we had like you know two fantastic lightweights and two great bantamweights going in there for title fights but that's not the whole story the whole story at the moment is COVID-19 it is the coronavirus it's the pandemic that's going on around the world it's the disaster that has been the American and the Irish response and the different things that have been happening around the world so we weren't just telling a sporting story we were telling a story about politics and about public health and all these other things and the UFC did not really understand that part of it so before the card took place and I'm sure every journalist that's listening to this who works in MMA did exactly the same thing as I did we all reached out to the UFC and we asked for the health and safety protocols in advance. We were all ignored, okay? Nobody got them directly from the UFC that I know of, and nobody was able to write about that before the event. Now, that in the it, it, that basically kills the whole preview, right? In, in terms of the international mass media, not MMA fighting or not your, your competitors there at MMA fighting, but the international mass media, the story was not Tony against Justin. It was not the return of Dominic Cruz. It was not Greg Hardy. It was, here's a sport in the time of COVID-19. But nobody could tell that story because we didn't know what the UFC were going to do. Then you get into the whole thing of, you know, on the night of the fights, uh, this uh, uh, event participation agreement came out in which clause number seven prevented anybody who took part in it, not just the fighters, from uh, speaking ill of the COVID-19 preparations or the health and safety precautions. And not only that, that the fighters themselves could lose their purses, their bonuses, uh, their endorsement money, all that kind of thing. And then when th this was brought to the attention of the UFC, first of all, they denied it. Then they said, yes, it's there, but it's a standard non-disparagement clause, and basically said that it didn't exist. Now, I'm not the only one. There's an awful lot of people who have uh, since got hold of that document. I got it before the fight card actually started. And everybody approached the UFC, and we got the same thing. And essentially what it did, Peter, was, and you know, th this is a missed opportunity, as I say. We could have put this sport in all its glory in front of every TV, TV viewer in the world, on every back page in the world, but we couldn't because once again, the UFC failed to give the mainstream media what they needed. And to me, it's just heartbreaking because for over five years now, I've been battling to get coverage of this sport on mainstream media outlets like the kind of ones I work for. And every single editor in the beginning says to me, no, that's a joke. They may as well be fighting in a car park. Who are these guys? What are they doing? Right? And, you know, I get that. If you don't like the sport itself, I get that. But they could at least behave like adults and like a proper business and come in there and have a professional relationship with people who are essentially there to tell the world what they're doing. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I, you know me, I'm not uh, big up on a lot of sportsville, but I was listening to our good friend Ken Early on second captains a couple of weeks back speaking about Bundesliga. And now this, this was two weeks before they were meant to be coming back, but the amount of information that was available to the journalists covering soccer, uh, covering all sports, about how they were going to try and put the these steps in place, uh, how the training would go, what would happen after every training session, what the training sessions would look like, how many people would be together in a training scenario. I mean, compared compared to Bundesliga and these other sports, it seems like we have absolutely nothing. And, and you mentioned the waiver. Um, obviously, journalists had to sign this as well um, with this clause in it um, uh, that got a lot of attention. I heard you speaking about it on Ian McKenna's podcast as well, uh, the Black Eye, brilliant episode. Um, but I'm just wondering, you know, is this all major blockers to, for the UFC to be ever taken seriously? Like, I mean, the, the situation where journalists are signing... Um, basic waiving their rights to criticize the safety standards we had jose young's on last week who was in uh, florida covering the event is this all a massive blocker for them to be ever taken seriously by uh, you know mainstream publications well it's very very simple peter because mainstream publications will look at that right now i, I don't fault jose or i don't fault mma fighting no, or anybody no. who, who who signed that right essentially what they did was every outlet anytime i'm asked to sign anything and this could be you know for a visa for entering a specific country or to cover a certain event and any time that happens, any time you are handed a contract like that, it goes straight to the legal department, right? So it's not on me personally as a journalist. I can't speak on behalf of anybody who, who I'm contracted to, right? So Jose sent that in. I'm sure, I can't speak specifically for Jose now either, but I'm sure that people would have sent their contracts, these non uh, these event participation agreements to their legal departments, and they were most of them that I know of were told, look, at sign it because it's not legally enforceable, right? That's not the problem. The problem is that the UFC asked journalists to sign this and that's just a complete red flag so i'm just going to read you out the second sentence of the famous clause number seven now that most of your listeners will have heard about right so non-disparagement is basically where you shouldn't speak ill of whoever is uh, you're working with right so if you're a fighter on a card it, you know it stands to reason that you shouldn't criticize the ufc unduly right so you shouldn't you know, lie about them this country right but the line i wanted to read to you is this Without limiting the generality of the foregoing, the participant will not suggest or communicate to any person or entity that the activities, this is the UFC events, have been or will be held without appropriate health, safety or other precautions, whether relating to COVID-19 or otherwise. Peter, that's a travesty, right? Mm. If we cannot report and they are contractually forbidding us from reporting on what we see, I'm sorry, that's no longer journalism. They are actively standing in their way. They are asking us to sign away the right not to report properly on an event, right? You cannot ask journalists to do that. And then all week you have Dana White talking about, oh, you know, the media, the weakest of the week, put them in a room, it's these guys. And he actually, I think he actually said, I'm not telling the media nothing. Yeah. He was so disappointed over the event that didn't took place, uh, take place. The UFC 249 was supposed to take place on tribal lands in Canada. And I think Dana somewhat blames the media for that sort of leaking out. And then the political pressure that came from the governors in California that in turn went to Disney and in turn went to ESPN and then the rug was pulled from under. And I think he actually blames journalists for that rather than looking at it and saying, okay, what was it that, uh, that actually went wrong here, right? Now, the difference between the UFC and any other, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be a sporting organization. It could be any company, right? The UFC was bought for $4.2 billion by WME IMG, 
now known as Endeavour, right? This is not some, you know, shit kicker competition in some place in Arizona, right? So with that, you have to have a certain amount of credibility when you're dealing at that level, right? So mass media, the likes of Reuters, Bloomberg, the Financial Times, the Telegraph, they exist in many ways to serve people in financial markets, right? Mm -hmm. And they expect you to say what you mean and to mean what you say. Right. So why is that? There could be a huge interest in sport in these places. Right. But there's a bigger interest in the financial side of things, whether it be, say, ticket sales or pay-per-view sales or TV deals or sponsorship. Right. And that's why communication with the public is so important. It has to be clear. It has to be concise. And that's not always the way with the UFC. In fact, it's the opposite. Right. So if I was somebody who trades shares on a daily basis, I might be listening to Dana White at a press conference saying that after the incident in Brooklyn, Conor McGregor will never fight for the promotion again, right? And, you know, if, I, if I'm a businessman, if I'm somebody who invests money in these things, I might then decide to sell my shares in Endeavor or ESPN or Monster Energy or whoever that happens to be because they sponsor the UFC and they've just lost one of the big draws and someone whose image drives their business and gives sponsorship value, right? Mm. But then Dana flip-flops and Conor's booked for another fight. And if I'm an investor, I'm left there wondering, what the fuck is going on here, right? Actually, the motto of the London Stock Exchange is, my word is my bond, right? So what I say, I'm going to do, right? And that's exactly the opposite with what happens with the UFC. Now, you know, if you have somebody like Dana who is considered unreliable by mainstream media, you can't trust what he says. But that means that his statements and his business aren't going to be taken seriously. And that essentially has been the core problem of mixed martial arts in the UFC since day one. The struggle they had to be taken seriously by everything from state athletic commissions to sponsors to investors. These kinds of people like people who can generate attention, but they tend to be conservative and they don't like loose cannons. And this is why it's so difficult. Like if I have to write one day that Dana White says one thing and you know the next day he says something totally different, an editor in a mainstream publication is going to say to me, you know what, let's not cover that guy because he doesn't know what he thinks about anything. And that you know, reflects then on the whole sport. And that's why it's so difficult for the sport. And you know, you know yourself, Peter, if you get called up by a radio station, say the BBC Radio 5 called you up, right? The first two minutes of conversation is often spent trying to explain things like this to people. Your listeners know what we're talking about. But if you're explaining to, you know, Des driving his van in the Wirral in Liverpool and he never watched the sport before, you have to explain these things, you know. And it should be a given that, you know, people in power say what they mean and they, and they do what they say. Yeah, you're talking about power here. And it's one of these things that... um. I get. I, I know we spoke about it a bit. I've been picking your brain a lot uh, offline about this whole situation. But did this have a bigger political kind of thrust than we usually see with with Trump at the start of the broadcast? Like, I mean, is is this is this these events and the UFC getting back up on action was was this a far bigger gesture say than than just getting the UFC back up and running? Because it certainly felt that when Trump appears on the broadcast. And um, just basically the eyes of the world being on the sport because uh, nothing else was happening. Did, do you feel like it had a big political ramifications, the UFC putting on these events with, with Trump, obviously, at the start of the broadcast? Yeah, I think if, if you zoom out, yeah, you have to see it in that way, Peter. So if you look at soccer in the UK and England, you get talk about Manchester City and their owners and that kind of thing. And it's always called sports washing, right? Newcastle United now, a Saudi conglomerate coming together to buy them. And they talk about sports washing. What we've seen with the three events of the UFC in Jacksonville, Florida, is arguably the biggest, most naked case of sports washing that we've seen in North America in I don't know how long, right? right? So you have a situation where... 
the National Basketball Association, uh, Major League Baseball, the National Football League, the PGA, everybody is called up by Donald Trump onto a conference call, and the UFC is part of that conference call. And Donald Trump says that we need sports back again, okay? You're talking about an election year in America. He needs that country to get back to normal. Not just the country, not just sports. He needs business to get back to normal. He needs shops and restaurants to be open and people to be going doing the things that they, they usually do, the things that drive the economy and made it one of the greatest countries in the world. Right. The problem is that we're in the middle of a pandemic, which is killing all people like flies. OK, mm. so Donald Trump goes out and asks people like Dana White. Dana White will usually tell you that he's not a political guy. Right. Dana White is a very political guy. He stood on stage and presented Donald Trump and said, I think this guy would make a great president. You cannot back away from those statements. And then when you go and you put on three events in Jacksonville, Florida, like they did, the message that's being sent to America there is not, oh, great, the UFC is back. It's not, oh, great, sports are back. It's, oh, great, America is back, right? And this influences absolutely everything. Like, I think last night there was a PGA um, sort of, you know, they're made for TV skins game with Rory McIlroy and Dustin Johnson and these guys. And the same thing, Donald Trump shows up there as well. He sent a video, you know, from the, the Rose Garden to the USC. This is not an accident, Peter. This is all happening by design. And the thing is, again, th this is a political thing whereby uh, Donald Trump wants the country to open up again. There is no sort of thought being given to the fact of, okay, is this the right thing to do at this particular point in time? As we know, the, the United States of America very unfortunately has about 5% of the world's population, but 25% of the deaths from COVID-19. So, you know, to eclipse all that, you know, what do you do? And this has been in the history of politics uh, in America for a long, long time. We've long had a situation where people try to attach themselves to sports stars, but in particular back in the days of Hollywood, and we have to remember that Trump himself was a reality TV star. Ronald Reagan was a famous actor long before he became a politician. So this is not an outlier. This is kind of very, very simply what happens all the time there. So I think that, you know, wittingly or unwittingly, that UFC fans are being used to sort of generate a narrative whereby it's okay to get you know businesses back up and running and we've seen that grow since UFC 249 we've seen that grow we've seen people out on the streets protesting demanding their freedom back the freedom to go to work and do the things they want to do and you know whether it likes it or not the UFC has to own the fact that it has been used in this way yes yeah it's it's, it's really really interesting stuff um you know the reach of the events etc I mean I've been saying for a long time Phil that we can't really you know Dana White's talked about 249 being a, being a home run. We really won't know um, the real legacy of the events until maybe a couple of weeks down the line, right, due to the... To oh, hold on, hold on, Peter. We, we will never know, okay? We will never know whether this has worked or not, right? Forget Jacare and the positive test and that kind of thing. That was almost the best thing that could have happened to the UFC because they say, okay, he came in, he told us, we tested, we caught him early, we sent him home. We did a fucking great job, right? But the thing is... The people who are at risk from this disease, and as you know, like when all sport was cancelled, I had to quickly sort of saddle, like resaddle the horse and go towards general news. And when I'm talking to you from here in Stockholm, I'm about 10 minutes from where they have the daily press conference every day with the state epidemiologist here. And I've spoken to so many people at the Institute where he works about this disease, right? The people who are at risk from this disease are not Jacare Souza. He's a young man in the best physical condition in the prime of his life. It's not Tony Ferguson. It's not Justin Gaethje, right? It's not even Dana White himself, who's still a reasonably healthy man, right? It is the people that they come into contact with down the line, right? Yeah. So it's the people that Jacare may have met, the taxi driver that might have driven him from the airport to the venue or the hotel in Jacksonville, right? It's that taxi driver's grandmother. It's that taxi driver's neighbor. It's the people that he picked up after Jacaray, who, and let's face it, Florida is full of old people, so this is not beyond the bounds of possibility, yes. right? So without contact tracing, 
we will never know the extent to which holding these three events in Florida, from which people travel pretty much all over the United States of America, right? We know of a lot of fighters. Greg Hardy, I think, drove there. Uh, we had certain fighters who drove there from uh, Las Vegas, Nevada. Donald Cerrone would have driven in there as well. I know he packed up his RV. We have no way of knowing if this was a success or not. So you can say, you know, home run all you like, but I never saw that ball go over the wall. And I'm never going to be able to, to ascertain if this has been right or not. The one thing that we do know is that societies have been locked down around the world, not to cure the virus, because that's impossible, not to eradicate the virus, because that is as yet impossible. But when people don't move around, they don't come into contact with other people. And that is just the beginning of the end of, and the end of it. The UFC chose to ignore that, to bring all these people together and to have these fights. But we can never know the outcome of it. And that allows them to call the home run all they like. But I'm sorry, I just don't buy the fact that this was a roaring success just because, you know, nobody died in the octagon gasping for breath. Yeah, yeah, that's all great information, Phil. And thanks very much for that. Um, you're giving us a, a real kind of look at this, uh, zoomed out, I suppose, from just inside the MMA bubble, and I really appreciate it. Um, you mentioned sports watching there uh, moments ago, and I guess one of the big stories of the week um, in MMA, I guess in European MMA, in international MMA, is that uh, Daniel Kinnan has been announced as a... A special advisor to KHK MMA, who what who was out of uh, Bahrain. There, they have links to Brave um, Fighting Championships. Uh, Daniel Kinnan also has been um, kind of announced as a, as a special advisor to uh, Top Rank and Bob Arum. Um, MTK have come out and again kind of said he's not um, with them essentially, but he is an advisor to the boxers who are on the roster, um, like Tyson Fury, uh, Michael Conlon. Um, Carl Frampton and of course we know that Darren Till has has acknowledged that um, Kinnan is a good friend of his Kinnan of course who was um, named as the uh, the head of the Kinnan organized crime gang in in, uh, in the high court in 2018 um, Phil this is a, a weird one to unpack I guess um, it's all come to a head with the announcement of the KHK situation and uh, top rank but um what what way should we be approaching this with Daniel Kinnan now seemingly involved in MMA? What what could that potentially mean? Well, I think what it means for me and what it should mean for you and for all of our colleagues is that we continue to ask questions, Peter. Right? Daniel Kinnan is known as being a huge boxing fan. He's a huge fight fan. But he has been named in courts in at least two jurisdictions uh, as being the head of the, the Kinnan crime family. He's been named in, in conjunction with murders in the High Court in Ireland, but also in a court in Spain. Right? Uh, he has never said anything about those allegations. He's not a man who talks uh, publicly about these things at all. He doesn't do interviews. We have had very high-profile criminals in the past from Al Capone forward who've happily spoken about these things and denied that that's not the way Daniel works. He doesn't live in Ireland anymore. As far as I know, he lives in Dubai. The best information is that he lives in Dubai. But I think, again, if we zoom out a little bit here, it's worth having a look at what Daniel Kennan wants from all this because this is actually another form of sports washing, right? This is a man who has a past that maybe he's not too proud of, but he's generated so much money. People I've spoken to in, um, in the police in Ireland reckon that his gang has generated somewhere around a billion euros uh, over the course of the time that he has been involved, right? And not only that, but they're so good at laundering money that they actually launder money for other rival gangs, right? So these are people who are very, very clever people. I'm not the kind of person to go clutching my pearls and saying, you know, I want somebody to think of the children, right? Because Daniel comes from the same city as I come from. He comes from a similar background to what you and I come from, mm. right? He, he, I'm sure he's done things that he's not proud of. But I also think that, you know, in some way, he has to be asked about these things and held to account. And the people who know him and who work with him have to be... 
have to be held to account for these things as well, right? Because if these things are true, if Daniel has been behind uh, a gang that has brought the misery of drugs to the streets of Dublin and to the streets of other European cities, because this is a very, very international gang we're talking about, if he has been behind murders, then we need to ask ourselves and the people in power in these sports, in boxing and MMA, is this the kind of person that we need to have in the sport? Is this What's this doing for the image of the sport, right? Now... Personally, I don't have any great hope. There's two things I don't have. One is I'm not worried in the slightest. I don't think that Daniel Kinahan is any threat whatsoever to me asking any question I want to ask, right? He's, he may not answer it, but I don't think he cares about you, me, or anybody else, right? Mm. But the other thing is, what's in this for the fighters? How is he helping people? He's an advisor. What advice has he given, Peter? Okay, in what way has he become, you know, Bob Arum is an absolute, if you're going to do the Mount Rushmore of boxing, Bob Arum arguably do, do, deserves a place there. Right? Here's a man who's yeah. won every great boxer, you know, through, you know, since the dawn of time, basically, right? But this situation has occurred in, in America before, right? The, the mafia, Las Vegas, where we've seen so many fights, I mean, Las Vegas was built on mafia money laundered through Utah and invested in Nevada, right? That's just how it happened. And what, what attracted people? Boxing attracted people. That's why, you know, the people went to the MGM Grand, not because it's nice in the desert in 130 degree heat, but because Mike Tyson fought there or because Ali fought there, because George Foreman fought there, whatever it happened to be. So people were sort of predicting their investment. So for, for criminals to reach a certain level, eventually you get bored of, you know, either selling drugs in a street corner so you become the guy who, who sort of, you know, pulls the strings. Or eventually you get bored of pulling the strings and you just move into a management capacity. You look after the money that's made. But when you've been done looking after the money that's made and you have other people doing that for you, you start to look at legacy, right? It's not unusual at all to see uh, people like the Kinahans or people who have been involved in crime previously to start to invest some of their assets in sport. It could be a favourite football club. It could be a local basketball team. It could be, you know, a local up-and-coming fighter. It could be a golfer. It all depends on what you enjoy. And as I said, Daniel Kinahan is a huge fan of fight sports. So, you know, it's natural to me that he chose to invest in this sport. It's natural to me that he chose to invest in both boxing and MMA. He identifies with these people. And, you know, you and I both know Darren Till. There is no nicer, no more genuine person in the game than Darren Till. Darren and Leon Edwards and Jimmy Manoa and um, Mark Goddard at the moment are trying to put together an initiative to combat knife crime in the UK, right? These are nice people. But yet they're hanging around with a guy who has, let's, you know, euphemistically called a very dubious past, right? So there's a sort of a cognitive dissonance there. They're kind of holding two thoughts in their head at the same time. This is a man who might have some very, very bad things on his conscience, but he likes me and he might be able to help me in, in my career, right? They're the kind of things that we have to work out. You know, I don't necessarily think, I think that if you are going to be doing something if we look at the elite level of sport, right, that's one thing. Uh, the UFC and, and, and Brave and all these other promotions, that's one thing, right? But to me, jiu-jitsu and, and, and mixed martial arts and the small gyms in general, that's where we bring young people in off the street, Peter, and that's where we try to make better people out of them, right? And that is where we need to say, okay, is this what our sport needs? I remember being in boxing gyms as a teenager and thinking the same thing. There were so many people there who were trying to make better people of the young men and women that we were. And that's what I want to know. Is that what Daniel Kinahan is going to do? And if he's going to do that, then we have to have another discussion, right? If he is liable for something, if he has done something in his past, let the law take its course, okay? I know that the gang has, I think they had a judgment against them in 2018 for 1.4 million euros, if I recall correctly, right? Like, you know, let the debts to society be paid. You know, if, if, he, if he can pay his debts to society and if he can assure us that there, there are no questions left to answer, then that's absolutely fine. But for now, we have to ask Darren. 
And we have to ask Tyson Fury. And we have to ask people, not necessarily, you know, why they do this, because, you know, that, they may not tell us that, but, you know, how they feel about that, that person, how they know it. What can they tell us about Daniel Kinnan that we, as a, like as a boxing uh, fanatic, that we don't already know? Because it's only in having a greater understanding of these things that we will ourselves understand the situation and see if we find it acceptable or not. Because at the end of the day, I don't want to enrich somebody. I don't want to give the limelight to somebody who doesn't deserve it, who's whose objectives are so much different from that or everybody who from that of everybody else involved in the sport, right? We're all involved in sport and promoting sport and in covering sport because we believe that it is a powerful, powerful positive sport for us, for ourselves, for our children and for society. And none of us wants to endanger that. And I think that we need to keep asking these questions until such time as we know that we have this situation under control and that people like Daniel are no threat to that in the future. Yeah, and I mean, you, you mentioned about, you know, we have to ask Darren about this. I should mention that, you know, Noel interviewed Darren for this week's show um, last Tuesday. So this is before everything kind of came to the forefront in such an emphatic way. And I guess that's the big shift, right, Phil? Like, I mean, this thing, it used to not be kind of public knowledge that, uh, you know, Daniel or, you know, was was associated with these fighters. But this seems very public and, um, you know, it, it's all out there. What What is that shift all about? Do you feel like this is... Um, a kind of a, a way to... I see RTE have an article out today, Daniel Kinahan reinventing himself as a boxing promoter. Is this what this is? Is this the trust of the effort here? Yeah, I think there's... An, there's you know, if you look at social media at the moment, I think that you will find that there's an effort to rehabilitate his reputation going on, right? I honestly think that we're in that final legacy stage of Daniel's uh, Daniel's career or his, life, his life's work where he wants to find some meaning in his life that doesn't have anything to do with his previous life. And I'd love to, to sit down with him and to discuss this if I ever got the chance, right? But that's what's happening here. People are trying to rehabilitate him. Uh, he was involved, or he was involved, he was there, um, and the subject of a murder attempt at the Regency Hotel in Dublin at a boxing way in a few years ago. And there's now a sort of a, a documentary or, a, you know, it's almost like a, a dramatization of that that I've seen clips for online. And people are saying, oh, look, this is what really happened. And now there's a conspiracy theory that that shooting wasn't actually to do with any sort of gangland thing, but it was actually politicians trying to rig the results of an election. Now, I find that absolutely ridiculous. But if that is an attempt or, you know, an attempt to somehow muddy the waters and allow him to rehabilitate his reputation, then, you know, we have to we have to look at that and we have to try to understand that. But I do think that, you know, there is this effort being made to rehabilitate it. And as an answer to that, then, people are saying, well, hang on a second, this man did this, that, and the other, right? What was very unusual about last week's announcement was that it was an announcement, okay? The mm. MTK thing, Daniel was very, very quiet there, and indeed, they've gone the opposite way, saying, no, no, he's not involved at all, has recently come out that, well, you know, he still advises some of the boxers. Well, then he is involved, right? But this is the thing, it's in trying to keep, again, it goes back to what we were saying about Daniel White, if you're talking to the mass media, if you're talking to the general public, you have to keep your ducks in a row, you have to have a story that is absolutely watertight because people like P.T. Carl and Philip O'Connor are going to be there going, hang on a second, I read this, I saw this, I talked to this person, that's not entirely right. And that's where all the questions come from. And my, you know, if you look at crisis communication or if you look at rehabilitation of somebody, there was a boxer here in Sweden, uh, Paolo Roberto, was a former boxer, and he was caught on Thursday night uh, coming out of a prostitute's apartment in Stockholm here, right? Mm. And the first thing he did was he went out on social media and he admitted everything, uh, but he ended up saying things that might actually end up seeing him charged with more serious offences than what he did, right? When it comes to crisis communication... Yeah, he incriminated himself. Okay, so there's a thing called... Um, 
basically here you would have it's illegal to buy sex right but it can be uh, sort of upgraded to a charge of rape if you believe that the person that you paid for sex was there against their will which is essentially what Roberto did whether they can make that stand up in court I don't know he said it in a TV interview you know so but again it would come down to the time that he realised that this had happened he may have only realised afterwards etc right but you know when it comes to crisis communication he was actually on the right track right because if you tell the truth immediately if you put everything out there immediately What's the, what, what more can we say? Okay, there's absolutely nothing more that can be said. But when you try to go, it goes back to the soccer player, Stephen Ireland, who didn't make an Ireland camp, and he said that his granny was dead, and it turned out that she was alive, and he said, no, it was the other granny, and it turned out that she was alive as well. You know, nice. when you start, yeah, you, you, you need a really good memory. <laughs> and like, I'm not accusing people of, of sort of lying, you know, uh, it's not necessarily lying, but they're just, they're saying things that later turn out not to be true is the most charitable way I could be about it, right? <laughs> but if everybody puts their, their cards on the table, if MTK were to say, look at Daniel Kinnan loves boxing. He has a huge amount of knowledge about it and he's a huge amount of contacts and that's why he's involved. That's fine. Then the discussion goes back to who is Daniel Kinahan and is he a good person to have involved in sport, right? And it, that would, it would clear up everything. You would have boxers able to talk to the Irish media because MTK's fighters boycotted the Irish media for a long, long time. So you had some great fighters like Mick Conlon who weren't able to speak or didn't want to speak to the Irish media, which, you know, it was terrible really because, you know, people who are in sports media actually want to tell the stories of fighters and we were precluded from doing so. So... They need to sit down, really, and work out what their strategy is. And I don't think that glossy films is the way to go. I actually think, as I always think of these situations, is telling the truth and owning what you've done is always the best way to go. It may not be the best way to go for you personally, and it may not get you what you want out of life, but it is always the best way to go because you can put your head in the pillow at, the night, at night and sleep soundly and not think, oh, fuck, I wonder what PC Carl is going to get me next. Do you expect him to maybe speak to the media in such a way, you know, be transparent about the situation? Like, I mean, it seems to me for what you're saying, Phil, is for us to take this guy seriously within the, the world of uh, combat sports, for the mainstream media to take him seriously, he kind of has to put his cards on the table here. Do you expect that to happen? Um, I don't know, Peter. I, I honestly think that, you know, if I was his media advisor, you know, and I, I could be a very highly made, paid media advisor to anybody who wants me, but uh, if I was to be his media advisor, I would say to him to do that, right? Because he won't be able to be, if you think back over the Bob Arms of our time, the Dana Whites of our time, the Don Kings of our time, Eddie Hearn, Barry Hearn before him, right? These people are all personalities. To become those personalities, you have to have that microphone under your nose. You have to sell a fight just as much as a, as a fighter does, right? You cannot do that if you effectively have to hide away from the media because they're going to ask you questions about your past. So, you know, he has to find some way of making a reckoning with, with that past that we as a media can... And that's going to be very, very difficult when you consider the things that he's accused mm. of. But without doing that, it doesn't happen. And without doing that, Peter, it taints and it tarnishes every fighter... Every event that he's going to be linked to is going to have this bad smell about it. It's going to have this shadow hanging over it. And that really is where it falls down. Because if you're going to talk about a fighter, I'm not going to name any particular fighter at all here. But, you know, if you just go, oh, you know, he's in his camp. Then all of a sudden, you know, it, it takes the luster off the achievement of, of men and women who do great things and go to great lengths to become champions. But if this person is standing over your shoulder, it's going to detract from that. And that's not what we want. I'm not saying that it's even possible for Daniel to come out and make an argument that, that everybody in the sporting world and the criminal world and, and the, the world of justice will buy. But I'm saying that I honestly think that that is what he needs to do if he wants to be taken seriously. And indeed, to do justice to the fighters themselves, right? Because they're putting an immense amount of trust 
trust in him, in his advice, you know. But if they're going to be tarnished by him, because, you know, what happens, we all know the relationships end, Peter. You'll get a fighter maybe who doesn't feel that they get the attention of, of a mentor that they think they deserve, and they move on. What happens to that fighter then? You know, what, like, will another stable be willing to take them on, you know, having been linked to a man like Mr. Kinnan? You know, that's the hard part in all of this. And these are the questions that we need to work out. Because essentially what we have to remove... For fighting and for fight sports to thrive, we have to actually remove the one thing that should only be ever found in the octagon, the ring. We have to remove fear. We have to be absolutely certain that everybody who acts in our sports is 100% safe in the life that they are going about living outside the octagon of the ring. What happens in there is between them and their opponent. But other than that, we absolutely have to ensure that. Well, Phil, I thought like you might have, you know, slow down a bit with the lack of travel usually you're all over the world i know you've been based in stockholm but you are on fire my friend you are you I'm are as usual. Off the walls, man. <laughs> <laughs> has, how has this been though i mean for you is this must be a real shift for you because i know i could call you on tuesday wednesday thursday and you could be in three different countries every single day usually um how, how has this been for you Madam exploded. Yesterday, I actually messaged a friend of mine who used to play in the NBA. I was going, you know, I, I, I have nothing to say to you, but can I come and interview you anyway in Gothenburg? Because I just, I need to stay in a hotel, man. I just, it's, you know, you know what this lifestyle is like, and it gets, it, it's addictive and it's great fun and that kind of thing. But it is like at the moment, it's difficult, but it's also a great time for for people like ourselves and for people in general, you know, to take stock of what we're doing. You know, sometimes it's a good idea to stop and ask yourself, am I doing the right thing? Is my life where I want it to be? And I would say, you know, 95 percent, I have absolutely no complaints. But I'm always wondering my things. Have I things that I could be doing better? Could I be doing more for in my work? Can I be doing more in my community and for my family and that kind of thing? So it's been a great opportunity to do that. Yeah, but man, I cannot wait to see you in Las Vegas sometime soon. That's just going to be the best thing that ever happened. Yeah, it's going to be amazing. We have to go back to that. Uh, to, what was that all-you-can-eat place we went to the last time? That was a beast. I was a bit... I, I, I let myself down, really, didn't I? I wasn't... We, we went to this... Uh, it's kind of a, it was buffet, a Korean right? barbecue, yeah. Yes, yes. It was like a buffet situation where they kept bringing the meats out, and I was flying at the start, but uh, I tapped out fairly quickly in the in the last in the championship rounds, didn't I, Phil? You, you did, but the old dog for the hard road. I was still there at the end. I managed to get through all of them. I don't. We, we got duck and we got beef and we got pork, and after that, there was animals coming out that I've never even heard of. But I was still eating with you a long gone, my friend. But yeah, I can't wait to see that. I can't wait to see all the Eurobash listeners back in Vegas. No, McGrath. Jose, Esther, Casey, I'm missing all you guys, something terrible, but you know, with the help of God, we'll be back there soon enough. Yeah, Phil, I can't thank you enough for, um, you know, as usual, uh, shedding light on a situation um, I, I'm not 100% up on. I really appreciate that, man. You're always able to guide me through these situations so well, and I'm sure our listeners appreciate it as well. You've been an amazing rock for me over the years, and I know you'll continue to be, and as you said, I can't wait to see you soon, my friend. Fingers crossed, PT. Fingers crossed. All the best, sir. Philip O'Connor of Reuters and the Our Man in Stockholm podcast. Check it out. We love you, Phil. Talk to you soon, man. Cheers, pal. All the best. Thank you very much to Philip O'Connor. Um, as always, hugely, hugely informative <clears throat> when it comes to the world of sports and um, the world of journalism as well, of course. Um, really interesting stuff there. Um, I'm glad we got him on to to speak about it. And we're glad we have him on before we end this journey with MMA fighting as well because he's been a real pillar for me and Noel over the years. Definitely, yeah. Um, 100%. Yeah, so we announced today that the the outpouring of emotion uh, has been fantastic. Uh, I'm overwhelmed by it. Um, all of these legends of the media game, legendary fighters, legendary coaches reaching out and, um, you know, you know, giving us um, a lot of praise and... It's unbelievable. I don't do very well with this stuff, but um, <laughs> yeah, I, don't, I no, mean, it's, it's unbelievable. Uh, I, I never expected this. Like, I mean, when we started this thing off, um, 
we didn't know what you know how big it was going to get it's been huge it's been a huge success like i mean it's it blew all expectations out of the water it's become a a real community thanks to all you guys who listen to us um and it's become the platform for for european mma fighters um you know obviously we didn't want this to uh we didn't want to be you know stopping doing this we're very uh happy with the situation and uh, we're very happy with the opportunity mma fighting have given us i think we've proven that you know um european mma you know there is interest in it internationally um you know we, we've managed to put a spotlight on a lot of promotions that maybe weren't given such a big spotlight and that that was been a great honor that was always what we wanted yeah. to do um you know before i got this job with mma fighting i, I was taking a job as a cleaner um so i mean i've come uh come a long long way and i'm very happy with the opportunity and um we're still trying to work out what way we're pressing forward but we will be pressing forward one way or the other and we just have to figure out what way we'll be doing it um is that is that the right way to put it now <laughs> yeah yeah we, we, we'll obviously sit <laughs> down <laughs> and uh and we'll see we're, we're gonna have a chat i believe in the next uh sort of week or before the end of the month anyway and, and um and see where we're at and and try and work it out um yeah listen th- thanks to everyone it's been the support's been incredible um but yeah listen sh- shit happens um <laughs> i think i tweeted that today uh, it's been a tough couple of months for a lot of people in the media game man uh you know uh, it, it's it's too down for me um f- free agencies there um but yeah listen at the end of the fucking day um you know t- take skin and all that lazarus raised from the dead and <laughs> <laughs> we're not gone yet so listen yeah we'll work out something don't worry about that but uh yeah thanks to everyone for the uh the outreach and the and the messages and shit it's been cool yeah one thing i, I would like to um you know highlight and uh and, and like you know this is probably my own pride a bit but um this has absolutely nothing to do with performance uh that was explicitly told to me um in a very brief meeting um you know, this uh, our, our numbers are great. Your wedge is far beyond anything we could have dreamed of. Um, it has a great following. There's a great community. Um, you know, obviously, I'm uh, obviously co-host of another podcast on the side as well. Um, so yeah, it's it's nothing to do with that. It's more to do with um, you know, where we are geographically. I guess. I mean, um, there is a union there with Fox for people on the ground in the US. Uh, we are not in there. Our contracts are are uh, we're contractors rather than full time yeah. workers. So that kind of left us open uh, to the guillotine a bit more than others. But uh, look, these things happen. Uh, we're not going to get too upset about it. And we t- want to just thank all of you guys for listening to us all the time. It's been amazing. I can't believe. I can't believe uh, what it's grown into. It's unbelievable. I, I genuinely in disbelief. I I never thought. Like I mean. <clears throat> I, I'd never expect to be doing a podcast on MMA fighting. Like, I mean, I just, I didn't expect it. So it, it's been great. And it's been a great journey with Noel McGrath again, as uh, they tend to be. And uh, there's still a few shakes left in this tale. Let me tell you guys. Um, yeah. Yeah. De- 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 definitely. No, it is. It's, uh, it's been fun. And um, yeah, like uh, <laughs> if you follow me on, on social media and stuff, a uh, few things I'm working on. So should listen, we, we'll see. We'll, we'll, we'll work it out first, PT, and then we'll, We'll have a conversation and and we'll see where we're about that and um, see if we can make. Um, Sounds make- like Noel's firing me as his mate here as well. <laughs> we, we, we'll see if we can make uh, round three happen. Uh, this, we're, we're not into the championship rounds yet, lads. Right, so there's a left hooker, <laughs> uppercut left him in, in McGrath and Carroll yet. So uh, fuck you all, be fun. And listen, we have another couple of weeks. Oh. So what are what are we whinging about? Like, fuck it. We have one, one more week. Or we one have more, more week. Episode. All right. 
Okay, one more episode. <laughs> <laughs> Cry me a fucking river. You know, I'm I'm, uh, I'm buzzing. I'm gonna watch the finale of the last yeah, dance now. Have you I, watched it? Well, I'll, I'll edit this and then I'll send this on to you, and then I'm gonna watch the the last two. I haven't. I've been sort of disciplined today and went. You know, I'll I'll leave it for something to watch tonight because there's not an awful lot on, as we know. So I'm fucking buzzing for that. It's been it's been real fun to watch. I think over the last number of weeks and a uh, unbelievable piece of documentary. It's it's probably. If you look at documentaries, man, like to have the footage they have and to, to be so patient and to yeah. sit on that for years is just incredible. Like, absolutely incredible. So, yeah, I'm loving it. Absolutely loving it. Can't wait. I wish there's someone to do well, a documentary on my life. Huh? Someone should do a documentary in my life. It'd be great, crack. Look, I'm talking to ESPN at the moment about doing the Eurobash documentary. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> but, uh. Me and you were sitting. Uh, what talk, are we doing, lads? Fucking shite. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, so yeah. Keep, keep sharing, keep liking, keep uh, keep the word on the street. This thing is organically grown. You've been a fantastic, fantastic community that we've built around this stuff. So let's keep it going until the final bell. We only have two more left, for God's sake. We love his loads. Uh, we're gonna figure this goddamn thing Peace. out. And uh, thanks again for all the lovely messages. Um, I'm not a very emotional man. Uh, well, I am actually. I'm very emotional man. But uh, I I don't really know what to do when I see some love out there. <laughs> I know, it's great. <laughs> Love you's loads. Um, see you next week. Good luck. Um... Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Want to get a little more from every sip? Smartwater Alkaline doesn't just taste crisp and pure. It's loaded with everything you need to perform at your best, whether you're running marathons or boardroom meetings. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com.